join us as we sing How Great is Our God.
I have. I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. That's why I sing. Just raise your hands and say, 
is within me. You can praise the hurt Ninety-seven this morning, Psalms ninety-seven. Wasn't that wonderful? It has been good to be in the Lord's house. I want to thank everyone for being here. Thank you, visitors, for being here. It's good to have Brother Crane with us this morning. He'll be with us again tonight, visiting and fellowshipping with us. So y'all just make him feel welcome, and all the visitors. And man, it's just good to worship the King. I tell you what, when you don't know what else to do, just praise His name. And it's amazing as God's people how much it cures just to stop complaining and just praise His holy name. Isn't He wonderful? Isn't He mighty? What a mighty Savior we serve. He's been there every time. He's faithful. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. Isn't He a good God? I hope and pray that he, you can call him your own today. Stand with me for the reading of God's Word. If there's anything worth standing for, I believe it's God's Word. Psalms 97. I can't guarantee I'm going to go 10 minutes. 
I guarantee you I'll probably go over 10 minutes, but I'll try not to keep you too long. Psalm 97 and verse 1, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of the isles be glad thereof, clouds and darkness around about him, righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him and burneth up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened the world, and the earth saw and trembled. The, earth, the hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, O ye gods. Zion heard and was glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted above all gods. There's one above all, and that's him. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word this morning. Dear Lord, I need your help this morning. Lord, I'm trying to do something that's against my nature, and I'm trying to give and spread your word and your gospel. God, I need your help. Lord, give me your touch from on high. I pray that I not be seen today, but I pray that it be you that is seen. I pray, God, it's not me that is heard, but I pray that your message is, is heard and received this morning. God, help us to open our hearts to the preaching of your word. May our hearts be soft and pliable to your word. May we leave this place different than how we came in here. God, save a soul this morning. Lord, I pray us that are saved that you draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Because of righteousness, God spared not. Because of righteousness, God spared not. And I want you to go to Psalm 97 in verse 2. And as you go through this psalm, we see the righteousness of God. We see the judgment of God. We see how the righteous always prosper, but the wicked always perish. We see that righteousness always wins out. We see that God's word is above all. We see that God's law is above all. Notice in verse 2, clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. I want you to think about that text this morning. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. The word habitation here means the state or process of living. It means a dwelling place. It means a settlement. It means the foundation of a colony. And it says that the foundation of the throne of God is righteousness and judgment. You say, preacher, isn't God loving? Absolutely, God is love. Isn't God merciful? Absolutely, He is full of mercy. Isn't God a God of grace? Absolutely, He's full of grace. Man, God is long-suffering. God is patient. But God is holy. And God is righteous. And God is a God of judgment. And I want you to know that God is everything that we've ever preached about Him. But it is outside of His nature to be anything outside of holy because God is holy. 
God cannot be anything else. God is holy. Of everything that is wrong on this earth, God is right. He is holy. He is perfect. He is without flaw. There is nothing that you can pick apart about the nature of God that you can find flaw in the holiness and righteousness of an almighty God. Every president we've ever had has not been perfect. Every man that's ever lived upon the face of the earth has not been perfect but one. And that's Jesus Christ. Because He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's perfect in His ways. He's perfect in His will. He's perfect in His Word. Everything about God is perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. If you want to see what's right in this world, look to the Word of God. If you want to see what's right in this world, look to heaven today. Because I promise you, God is right. God is holy. He never makes mistakes. Hello? Let me say that again. Maybe you'll amen this time. He never makes mistakes. He's holy. He knows what He's doing. And it says here that His habitation, the bounds of His throne, the foundation of His throne is righteousness and judgment. I want you to know that God loves everybody. But God has a standard. And His standard is His Word. This is who God is. This is what God is about. And God expects everybody on earth to follow this right here. And if we do not follow this, understand that we come short of the glory of God. And may I tell you, there's not one individual in this room that meets up to all of this right here. We come short of the glory of God. And I want you to know because of that, we are sinners. But God is still holy. God is still righteous. We have fallen, but God has not fallen. God has not changed. I know society has changed. I know things have changed. Fads have changed. But the righteousness and holiness of God has not changed. You say, preacher, this world is different. The society has changed. No. It's always been this. There's always been righteousness and there's always been wickedness. And may I tell you that we move and we change, but God has never moved and God has never changed. God has been the same for all of eternity and He always will be. God will never change. His Word will never change. And I want you to know that your opinion may change, but God's will not. Your ways may change, but God's ways will always stay the same. The same God. And that's why you can trust Him because He never changes. That's why you can put all your hope and all your trust in the Lord because He never changes. But here's something about the judgment of God. Here's something about the holiness of God. He cannot fellowship with sin. He cannot fellowship with sin. There will never be communion between you and the Lord as long as there's sin in your life. Throughout all ages we see that God spared not the ones that He loved the most because of sin and wickedness in their life. I want you to look with me in 2 Peter chapter 2. If you're with me, say amen. I want you to notice a few things that God spared not in this life because of sin, because of wickedness. I believe this will reveal the true character of the holiness of God. 2 Peter 2 and 4. The Bible says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment. Notice number one, that He spared not the angels that sinned. You see, sin did not originate on earth. It originated in heaven. 
Way before Adam and Eve fell, the devil and the angels fell. And they fell from the grace of God because the devil wanted to be like the Most High. And there's only one that can sit upon that throne, and that's Jesus. And the angels that was created for the honor and glory of God, to be the servants, the heavenly servants of God, they fell, and they sinned, and they messed up, and they rebelled against God. And there's no doubt in our minds and in our hearts how much love that God had for the angels. But when the angels messed up and the angels rebelled, God could not help because the habitation of who He is is holiness and judgment. And because they sinned, He had to cast them out of heaven. Because they sinned, He said, you got to get out of here. You cannot stay here any longer because God cannot fellowship with sin. Can you imagine the heartache and the heartbreak of God when the angels fell? But because of His habitation, His righteousness and judgment, He had to say, get out. Get out. And He cast them out of heaven. You say, well, I thought God loved all of His angels. And He did. And it broke the heart of God for the angels to be cast down. But may I tell you that God did not choose to do that. The angels chose to do that. The angels rebelled against God. The angels chose to oppose Him. God never moved, but the angels moved. God never changed, but the angels changed. And because of His righteousness, because of His judgment, He said, get out. Get out. People say, well, that's a, that's a mean God. No, that's a, that's a righteous God. That's a firm God. That's a consistent God. People have always changed, but God's never changed. You may not like His ways. You may not respect His ways, but you can respect Him of this. He has never changed. And He wouldn't put up with it out of the angels. And He said, get out of heaven. I want you to notice, number two, that He spared not the wicked and corrupt nations. In verse 5 it said, And spare not the old world, but save Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah unto ashes, condemn them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. From the beginning of time, nations would rebel against God. They would live in sin and wickedness. God cannot take that. God cannot live with that. You may want to live in sin, but God does not want us to live in sin. And the Bible said that He brought a flood to destroy the sin of the earth. The Bible said that He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. May I tell you people that there were thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands in these nations and in these cities that was destroyed by the judgment of God. You say, why, preacher? Because they live ungodly. They lived a life that was unpleasing to Him. And God said, you live by this standard and that's it. They failed to do it. They lived under the standard that God set for them. God said, I can't take it anymore. He spared not the angels and He spared not the wickedness of those nations. Sodom and Gomorrah, where is it today? It's destroyed. It's gone. Where is Babylon today? It's gone. All of those cities that rebelled against God, that thought that their kingdom was above God, they're gone. Nebuchadnezzar is gone. Alexander the Great is gone. The Roman Empire is gone. Adolf Hitler is gone. But God's still here. God's still here. Nation after nation rose against God throughout all these ages. But God's still standing. 
while all the other kingdoms fell, the kingdom of God is still standing. Isn't that beautiful? Do you remember in the New Testament, in Matthew 11, when Jesus said, Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Cities that Jesus tried to heal and save, they rebelled against God. And you know what Jesus did? He cursed them. Brother Frank, you walked in all three of these cities. What are they today? Nothing. Rubble. Rubble. Why? Because they didn't live to the standard. They didn't obey God. And there is a penalty when you don't obey God. Now you listen to me and I want every eye looking at me. We are mighty prideful and mighty arrogant and ignorant when we think the same thing won't happen to this country. We are mighty arrogant when we think that all these other nations couldn't get away with it, but we think that somehow, someway, we're going to get away with this. We will pay. We will reap what we have sown, folks. And I'll never forget, and I've said this before, but I'll never forget when President Obama blasted the rainbow colors on the White House. That's the most sickening sight I've ever seen in our country. And you say, preacher, does that mean Jesus is coming back? And I remember, Brother Crane, does that mean Jesus is coming back? I said, well, Jesus is coming back regardless. But it means one thing I know, we will pay for it. And if Sodom and Gomorrah had to pay for it, we're going to have to pay for it. Understand that God allowed thousands and millions of people to lose their life because they rebelled against God. And every one of them God loved. Every one of them God tried to save. Every one of them His mercy was poured out on them. But because of their sin and their evil and their wickedness, He spared them not. He had to get rid of them. Isn't that consistent? Notice what it said there in verse 6. Making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. Folks, God has not changed. God has not moved. God will not look over us. God will not pass over us. He will judge our sin. Live it up. But you remember this, you will pay for it. You will pay for it. I want you to look in Romans chapter 11. If you're with me, say amen. I'm going somewhere. I want you to stay with me. Romans 11 and in verse 21. Not only did He spare not the wicked and corrupt nations, He spared not the natural branches. I want you to look here in verse 21. The Apostle Paul is talking about the nation of Israel falling from grace and allowing the Gentiles to be saved and allowing the salvation to be open to them. And he said He gave the nation of Israel ears that they could not hear and eyes that they could not see. And now He's opened it up to the Gentiles. But I want you to notice what He said in verse 21. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest He also spare not thee. The natural branches is the nation of Israel. The nation that He exalted above every other nation. The nation that He chose to bring forth His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. The nation that He walked with and followed and made promises to. And the Apostle Paul said right here, Now you think about something, you Gentiles. I want you to think about this. If God would spare not Israel, you better be careful. 
If God would be willing to cast Israel to the side, you better be careful. Why did He cast Israel to the side? Because of unbelief. Because they simply did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of the living God. They over and over repeatedly rebelled against God. Because of unbelief, God said, I've got to cast you off. Can you imagine the heart of God when He said, I've got to let go of Israel. I've got to let go of Israel. I've got to let go of Israel. Let me tell you something. Why did He have to let go? Because they didn't believe. Because they rebelled against His Word. They rebelled against His name. And I believe it broke the heart of God to let go of the nation of Israel and said, I can't have them anymore. I can't hold on to them anymore because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. How many people every day, every eye, teenagers, look at me. Teenagers, hey, look at me. Look at me. Every person, every day, there's people that die and go to hell that Jesus can't allow in the glory land because of unbelief. God wants everybody to go to heaven. You say, well, I can't believe God would ever send anybody to hell. Well, bless God, I'm glad you believe that because He doesn't. God ain't ever sent one person to hell. Every person in hell chose to go to hell because they could not fellowship with a holy and righteous God because they denied Jesus as their personal Savior. Because of unbelief, He had to spare not the nation of Israel. And every day their souls slipping off, Brother Allen, into a devil's hell because God can't bring them to heaven because of sin in their life that they refused to get right. Sin in their life that they refused to allow Jesus to save their soul. May I tell you, if He will cast nations off, if He will spare not the angels, if He will cast Israel off, don't you think and realize that He'll let you slip into hell? Oh, what an oh, awful God. No, what a loving God. Because hell's what I deserve. Hell's where I ought to go. Hell is where I deserve to spend eternity. But I'm glad that God's not willing that any perish. I'm glad that God wants to save my soul. I'm glad that God wants me to go to heaven. I'm glad that God wants to fellowship with me. You listen to me. He desires you today. He wants fellowship and communion with you today. But we got to get sin out. we got to get sin out. Romans 8. Man, I'm telling you, it's fixing to get good. It's getting gooder and gooder. Y'all hold on. Sin, uh, Romans 8. Oh, man. He spared not the angels that sin. He spared not the wicked, corrupt nation. He spared not the natural brain. He cast all of these people that He loved so much off because of their sin. But notice this in verse uh, 32. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He spared not the angels. He spared not the nations. He spared not Israel. He spared not the lost, the unbelief. And He spared not His own Son. Oh, God is so holy and God is so righteous that He had to have a cure. And the cure is not in a bottle. The cure is not in something you light up. The cure is not in man. It's not in religion. God said, i got to give them my very best. He spared not Israel. He cast Israel to the side. He cast the nations to the side. And He allowed His Son to go to the earth 
and die for all of humanity. He gave His very best. What do you mean He gave His Son? Friend, if you were going to receive salvation, He was going to have to give Jesus. Because He's the only thing that can take away our sins. He's the only one that can reconcile us to a holy and righteous God. May I tell you where you're wrong, where you fail. Jesus is that righteousness that you're not. And because of what He did for you at Calvary, if you receive that, if you apply that to your heart and life, God will save your soul this morning. God will, will welcome you. And man, I'm telling you, because of Jesus, He will welcome us one day in a glory land. I'm telling you, God spared not the nation of Israel. He spared not the angels. And bless God, He spared not His Son. May I tell you, I'm not as good as God because I wouldn't give you, Connor. Y'all hear me? I love you. Miss Wendy, I love you, but you're not getting Connor. No, sir. God gave His Son to be the propitiation of our sins, to pay our price, to reconcile us into the holiness and the righteousness of God. Oh, what a loving God we serve. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Aren't you glad that God gave us a way out? And it's not through the water of baptism. It's not through good works. It's not through religion. It doesn't matter if you're a member of Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church. You better have blood on your soul. You better be washed and saved by the blood of Jesus. Because that's the only way you can be reconciled to God. He spared not. I want you to turn to 1 John and we're going to be done. 1 John 1. You say, preacher, how do we fix this? How do we get right? I'm glad you asked the question. 1 John 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Child of God, you've been living this life of sin. The fellowship between you and God has been blocked. How do you get it back? How do you rededicate your life and your soul? You fall on your face and you ask for forgiveness of your sins. Every day, child of God, we ought to find us a place somewhere to fall down before God and say, God, forgive me. God, oh, I repent and I turn from my sin. Lost person, I want you to know that He'll forgive you. He's faithful and He's just. Look in chapter 2 and verse 1. He said, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, does any man sin in here? Yeah. Every one of you lift up your hand. Every one of you sinners. And your spouse didn't tell me to tell you that either. <laughs> Every one of us is a sinner. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only. Listen now but also for the sins of the whole world. He'll save the United States of America. He'll save Russia. He'll save Iraq, believe it or not. He'll save anybody that is willing to trust in Jesus as their personal Savior. Oh, what a loving God we serve. Isn't that awesome? All you got to do is ask Him to save you. Ask Him for forgiveness. You can't be saved in your own power. You're going to be saved through the power of God. And say, God, this is what I've done. This is where I've been. And by the way, He already knows where you've been. He already knows what you've done, but He wants you to acknowledge it. He wants you to call it out and say, God, here it is. 
And I'm telling you, if you'd fall on these altars today and say, God, here it is, he'll take it from you. Maybe alcohol is something you're struggling with. If you lay it down, God will take it. Maybe drugs is something you're dealing with. If you lay it down, God will take it. Maybe adultery is something you're dealing with. If you lay it down, God will take it. I'm telling you, I'm glad there's enough forgiveness. I'm glad there's enough blood to wash away every one of my sins. I'm not pointing at you. I'm pointing at me. I'm the chiefest of sinners. And if He can save me, He can save anybody. Whoo, isn't He good? Isn't He wonderful? Oh, I've been alienated. I've been enemies with Him. But because of Jesus, He's reconciled me. May I tell you, we need to be reconciled. May I tell you, America needs to be reconciled. May I tell you, the world needs to be reconciled. And He gave His very best. He spared not His Son. Oh, aren't you thankful for what Jesus did? If you're here this morning, you need to be saved. Would you come down? Let me show you how to be saved. Child of God, maybe it's time to just lay down that lifestyle. Lay down that life that God's not pleased. Just lay it down and say, God, here it is. He'll take it from you. He'll take it from you. Maybe you need to join this church. Whatever it is, follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit.